the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. How you doing? My name is Nick DiGilio and I am your host. It's episode number 162 of the Nick D Podcast right here with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network on the planet. We also live stream. we got a 24-7 live streaming service you can listen to. It's just exactly like the radio. Turn it on anytime, anywhere, 24-7. It's like the radio, only cooler. Filled with great unsigned bands, unheard music, and incredible episodes of all the great podcasts at Radio Misfits. RadioMisfits.live. Check out the streaming 24-hour service right there. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my Saturday Night Live podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years. Every day at 9 a.m. Central. And then tons of other great podcasts and great music. Radio Misfits, man. It's the best. RadioMisfits.live. And also check us out at RadioMisfits.com, where you can also be a sponsor of this podcast. You want to do that? Easy to do. Say, I have, an, uh, I have a product I'd like to advertise, or I'd like to be a sponsor. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Contact us there. Be a part of this podcast by leaving any voicemail message that you want. We got a voicemail system set up exclusively for you. It's open 24-7, anytime, anywhere, any day, any night that you want to leave a message. Do it anytime. 773-417-6948. We want your feedback. We want your compliments. We want your questions. We want your, you know, uh, we want your contributions. Everything. Uh, if you want to leave a magic megaphone message for me to interpret and give on the uh, on the podcast, do it. 24-7 voicemail anytime. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email anytime. Nickdpodcast at gmail.com with your questions or your comments or anything like that for both of my podcasts. Nickdpodcast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us. Please take the time to do that. Check us out on every single platform. We're available on your Spotify's and your Apple's and your Amazon's and everywhere, as well as RadioMisfits.com. So please take the time to give us feedback. Um, we want to hear from you. Rate, review us, leave us voicemails, leave us emails, all that cool stuff. On episode 162 today, we are going to welcome, man, I'm very excited, Malcolm Danar is a terrific actor who has appeared in a ton of really great movies, including stuff like Flashdance and Heaven Help Us and Lords of Discipline and Popcorn. Um, so many terrific movies. And, of course, he is in John Carpenter's legendary Stephen King adaptation, adaptation Christine. And Malcolm, uh, along with William Ostrander and Stephen Tash, are going to be there. Uh, they're all three in Christine, and they're going to be at the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention for the big 40th anniversary Christine reunion. The car is going to be there, too. The 58 Plymouth Fury is going to be there. And Malcolm, William, and Stephen are going to be on stage with me and Esmeralda doing my live podcast. So we're going to have the cast of Christine on stage to celebrate the 40th anniversary and answer all of your questions and do a great job. And it'll be a live podcast recording. 
That's on Saturday, August 5th at 12.30. Esmeralda will get, uh, get up on stage with me. We'll talk about horror movies. We're going to give away some T-shirts and prizes. I'm going to play the, the trailer for an upcoming horror movie that I've seen already. That's awesome. We'll talk about scary stuff. And then the three guys, including Malcolm from Christine, are going to join us on stage, and we are going to have a great live podcast. You can be a part of it. You can be in the audience. It's going to be interactive. We're going to give away prizes. So be there for the big live Nick D podcast recording as part of the great Flashback Weekend Horror Convention in the Big Ballroom, Saturday afternoon, August 5th, 12.30 p.m. It all starts. The guys from Christine will join us up on stage at 1 o'clock. It's going to be a fantastic event. And Malcolm, who's got an amazing uh, uh, series of credits to, his, to, his, uh, to, to, you know, to, to what he does here, unbelievable. Uh, and he's also a playwright. He's also a producer. I can't wait to talk to him. So Malcolm Daynair from a lot of movies, including Christine, he's going to join me in just a couple of seconds. And Esmeralda Leon will be here, and we will talk about uh, uh, a bunch of other stuff. We'll catch up on some stuff. And we're going to remember Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor died. Um, yesterday, as I record this, um, an important artist, one of my favorite artists, a misunderstood artist, um, a troubled, troubled woman who had a really horrible upbringing and some very, very horrible things happened to her in life. Um, an amazingly talented woman who was gifted with a voice of an angel, an amazing artist, one of my favorites of all time, uh, tragically passed away at 56, led a very, very difficult life. And we'll talk about Sinead and remember the great stuff about her. So that's all coming up when I talk with Esmeralda. And Hi, oh. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. Hi, baby. I'm Carrie yep. Russell, and I love Nick's show. Carrie loves the show. You love the show. Everybody loves the show. So love the show live at Flashback Weekend, August 4th through the 6th. Incredible convention horror film convention, get out there, say hi, I'll be there running around, I'm hosting and, and introducing and moderating and producing all kinds of stuff, and just going to be great. And I'm hosting uh, the live podcast uh, on Saturday afternoon at 1230, and also um, Sven is going to be there, Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there, I'm going to MC their big thing on Friday night. Alan Howworth, who was a guest on the podcast last week, the composer with John Carpenter of some great scores, he's going to do a live concert on Saturday night. Uh, there's going to be a Scream reunion, a Terrifier reunion. Um, there's going to be a Halloween 2 reunion. There's going to be all kinds of celebrities all over the place. Big vendor room where you can buy all kinds of unbelievable horror and movie merchandise. Uh, it's just going to be an unbelievable weekend. It's the best weekend of the year. It's all at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Very easy to get to. Uh, get your tickets at flashbackweekend.com, August 4th through the 6th. An incredible weekend filled with events and concerts and parties. And you can meet and get photo opportunities and you can all kinds of celebrities everywhere. I will be hosting a whole bunch of stuff in the Q&A room the entire weekend, including my live podcast with the cast of Christine on stage and Esmeralda. Get your tickets now. It's next weekend. Flashback. I'm sorry. It's this weekend coming up. Wait, wait. What is it? Today's Friday. Next weekend. It starts a week from today. It starts a week from today as, as we listen to this. So get your tickets now. The whole weekend is going to be great. Hyatt Regency O'Hare, flashbackweekend.com. So there you go. All right. Uh, we're going to talk uh, to Esmeralda in a little bit. But right now, I want to say hello to Malcolm Danar, who is a terrific actor and one of the stars of Christine. And you'll hear all that after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff.
I always get immediately happy when I hear anything that John Carpenter has composed. And it just brings me back to all the great movies that John Carpenter has made. Uh, and for people who are regular listeners to this podcast, you know that John Carpenter is like, I don't know, my favorite filmmaker ever. And uh, one of the stars of that, that theme, by the way, was uh, from the film Christine. One of the stars of uh, that movie uh, is going to be at Flashback Weekend, August 4th through the 6th. Uh, flashbackweekend.com. It's the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. And uh, three of the stars of that movie, Christine, uh, William Ostrander and Stephen Tash, and my guests are going to be there for a Christine reunion. The car is going to be there. I am going to be conducting the Q&A and the panel. I'll be moderating that. And uh, the guest that I'm talking about here that I'm going to talk to here is uh, a playwright, a writer, a producer, a voiceover artist. He's been in a ton of really classic movies uh, and has been uh, has been working in, in the business for a long time and is a terrific actor who's done some of my favorite movies, especially a stretch in the 80s that are incredible. And I want to welcome to the podcast, uh, Malcolm Denaire. Mal- welcome welcome to the podcast, Malcolm. Hello, Nick. How are you? I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm very excited to have you on. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. And, uh, and now, how often, if ever, do you get to Chicago? Well, you know, I have a goddaughter that uh, lives in Chicago. And I, I, while, I'm, while I'm there, uh, we're going to go out to dinner and we're going to have a good time. And I get to see her. She, you know, went to college there, has graduated. And now uh, she's going to be a very, very successful young lady. Oh, well, that's great. So you get to reunite with some family while you're there. That's great. Absolutely. That's very cool. Well, you've never been to Flashback before. I know that because I've been to every one of them. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and this is the, God almighty, 40th anniversary of Christine. How old does that make us all feel? Well, I don't know how that happened because I'm... 33 years old so i I, i'm kind of figuring i I don't i can't figure out the math there right i don't know if you can help me right right it's it's, gonna be fun it's gonna be i I can't wait to get to chicago and meet mike and mia who put this chicago flashback on on, uh so it's gonna be great yeah they're great i've known mike and mia for a very long time i've known mike uh for a a really i kind of feel responsible for their marriage because they actually their, their first date was to see a play that I wrote, uh, directed, and was in. And wow. that was their first date. So I was like, wow, they came to see one of my plays, and now they're married. So I take full credit. I will well, I, credit. I say take full credit, and, uh, and you know, Mike and Mia should be happy they know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. And, and, and I will say this, and not that I'm biased or anything, but I think Flashback Weekend is the best horror convention in the country. And they do it. It's a mom-and-pop thing. It's not run by a corporation. And I'm, I'm sure you know this already, Malcolm, but Mike and Mia run uh, a drive-in theater here in Illinois. I do. I do. Uh, called the Midway Drive-In. And all the money that comes in from Flashback goes right back into keeping the drive-in alive. And I love that. that. That's fantastic. I, li- listen, I, I, I would love to see, because I've never been to, uh, to a drive-in and have seen the movie Christine. That would be uh, pretty awesome to do that, huh? It would be cool, yeah. Maybe you should talk to Mike and Mia and have them... Uh... Put that in their ear, man. Have them, uh, have them show. Have them show. Christina. Sounds like an idea. That's Sounds a great like idea. an idea. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, you know, you've been in so many great movies, and I want to get to a lot of them. And obviously, we're going to talk about Christine because uh, the big reunion. How often do you get to see uh, William uh, and Stephen and some of the other people uh, that have been in the movie? I know Alex- Alexandra had to postpone her. Uh, she was scheduled at first to be at Flashback, and she had to postpone. But how often do you get to see your co-stars from Christine? Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's funny because this is the 40th uh, anniversary. So I, I, I've seen 
Bill and Steve quite a uh, quite a bit this year, actually, because of the uh, sure. the um, the uh, you know the reunions and things they're doing for Christine. I just can't believe it's forty years yeah. um, <laughs> that the movie Christine uh, w- was you know came out. It's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. But um, back to back to seeing everybody. Um, you know, with Alexandra, it's a shame that she's not going to be there. We're we're, we're all going to miss her because she's sort of like uh, the den mother. Uh, of <laughs> of of all of us because she keeps us you know completely controlled you know right. she's she is like airport control Alexandra right. so I, I, we all love her and we all miss that she's not going to be there yeah well I'm glad that you guys are going to be there and it's going to be great in the car the actual uh, uh, the Plymouth is going to be there and uh, you guys are going to do photo ops where people can get their pictures taken with you guys and the car and all that stuff and it's going to be great and all the events that are taking place the whole weekend and everything um, it's just going to be great as it always will be um, you're going to be taking pictures and selfies and signing stuff yeah, yeah. and meeting the fans and I know that you love to do that you've been really um, a blast to watch on our flashback social media because you've been <laughs> inter- you've been really having a great time interacting with the flashback family and the fans and that's really cool I mean that's really you you know, you're endearing yourself big time to the horror fanatics in Chicago. I can tell you. Ah, oh, well, you, you know, with with me, it's like, uh, where else? You know, to think that this movie is a cult movie. Christine is a cult, cult movie. I'm I'm blown away. So, you know, I mean, why? There are so many fans out there that that love this film. So why why can't the actor, uh, one of the actors in the film? show his appreciation yeah. to the fans. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm totally for it. Yeah. Well, you you it's fun, man. It's it's fun to see your posts and oh, and people were you. really enjoying it. And it's great. I mean, it you know, brings you down to earth and uh, and you're going to and the people who come to flashback, they're 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 grounded, they're grassroots people. I call them, you know who came up with the term uh, the, the term that I'm about to say. Whenever I go to flashback weekend, it's always my favorite weekend of the of the year. Always. And I'm there from Thursday to Monday morning and I have, you know, doing a bunch of stuff, helping, you know, put the whole show up and then doing the Q&A's and moderating a whole bunch of stuff and introducing things. Uh, but I call this and it with, with actually it was coined by Lance Hendrickson, um, uh, uh. Who, who has come to flashback of, of several times and I do his Q&A every time he comes and he calls us the tribe. <laughs> and that's how I like to refer when I when I go to flashback every year, I'm going to, to revisit my tribe. It's a once a year thing where I get to revisit the tribe and the tribe are going to love you, Malcolm. They are going to love. Oh, well, I listen. I, like I said, I, I'm I'm just uh, a pawn in in in, you know, Mike and Mia being the, 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 the king and queen and you probably being the prince. So I'm just a pawn out of out of the tribe right now. Well, you know, cool. I'm well, one of those lowly pawn actors. <laughs> well, we're going to have a great time celebrating the 40th anniversary of uh, of Christine and everybody can get autographs and pictures in the car and everything. And then I'm going to be uh, doing your uh, your panel and your Q&A. And we'll have, I guarantee you that'll be a fun time. But let's talk Can't about uh, about about Malcolm, shall we? Malcolm Denaire. Um, okay. How did you how did you start acting? Well, you know, you started young, obviously, very young. I was well, I, you know, what, what happened was, is I'm I'm an uh, Los Angeles born and raised. Gotcha. And I, you know, I, Nick, I didn't don't didn't even know that I wanted to be an actor. I really didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated high school. I was really just kind of like a like a, a C and B student. You know, uh, uh, an A kind of came around very, very occasionally, you know, not not a lot. Right. So, right. Um, after I graduated, I just didn't know what I was going to do. So I, you know, it was 1981. I was working um, at a at a clothing store called Miller's Outpost. 
Um, I don't know if anybody remembers that. Story, I do, but it's I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Do. it was mm-hmm. it was my it was my first. I, I I I'm embarrassed to say this. I really am embarrassed. But it was my first and only civilian job. <laughs> so <laughs> well, so now like, what? Were you sales or were you just like re- I, just? Folding uh, you know, clothes I'm or what were you doing? Selling clothes, man. Yeah. You know, like a like a uh, you know, like people would come in and say, "Hey, man, do you have any five hundred one jeans or do you uh, do you have any uh, these type of Millard Outpost jeans?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, they're over on that wall." And you know, they go fit them on and put them on and go yeah. in the fitting room and then come out and buy them. And yeah. I, I that was it, man. I just I worked there for six months, and <laughs> so like I said. I really didn't know what I was going to do. And next thing I know, my my beautiful father, bless his heart, he's not here anymore, but I miss him every day. Mm-hmm. He um, he owned uh, a, a a transportation company. Um, it was it was called the Green and White Independent Taxis. So he was one of the owners of that company in L.A. Taxis in L.A. In LA. In LA yeah, they were the Green and White. They're you know they were yellow cab. And yeah. my dad, believe it or not, put yellow. I don't want to say I don't want to cause any problems because yellow cab is still around. But, you know, he kind of started this independent taxi company and um, and they really uh, gave yellow cab at the time a run for their money. So. Um, so here's the great part. Here's the story, man. OK, so it. it, it I'm working at Miller's Outpost, having a good time, not knowing what I want to do in my life. And all of a sudden, my dad calls me up and he said, Malcolm. I said, yeah. And I was already home from work that day. And he said, listen, I just met a guy. His car broke down on Sunset Boulevard. Mm. And and he literally, his car was smoking. <laughs> and, and I said, well, okay. And he goes, well, he picked the guy up. And believe it or not, my my father and mother were born in England. So my father has an English act, had a, a very heavy duty English accent, and so did my mother. Gotcha. And so the guy that he picks up has an English accent. And the guy says, uh, you know, can you take me to uh, Paramount Studios? I'm I'm late for auditioning a, a movie that I'm that I'm directing. And oh, no. my, so you you already know what's going to happen here. Uh, I know who I know who that is, but yeah, I'm okay. sure you do. So my dad, <laughs> so my dad says, "Hey, you know that, that's really interesting. My son's an actor, and and honestly, Nick, I had never acted a day in my life before <laughs> before this man. Never, I never acted a day in my life. I really didn't." <laughs> and the guy said, your son's an actor. Well, you have an English accent. Uh, you know, let me see a picture of him. And my dad shows him a picture of me from like a like a graduation picture. And the guy said, look, have Malcolm call my office today at Paramount Studios and have him come in for an audition. I think he would be right for a role in a movie that I'm doing. And. So this is all this information my father's giving me. Uh, I call up, I call, after we hang up, I call up Paramount Studios. I speak to an incredible woman who became a very good friend of mine uh, by the name of Jackie Birch, who's a big time casting director now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the time she was known as Jackie McNamara. Okay. And then she went from Jackie Cohen and then she went to Jackie Birch. Okay. And um, so, so I said, hi, I'm Malcolm I, I, I gave her, I gave her my name, Malcolm Daynar, and she said, "Well, 
why don't you why don't you come in? I, I I've got this booked for you, and I'm like, wow, okay. So she said, come in today. So everything is happening so quick, Nick. I mean, yeah. it's really, really, really quick. So I go into Paramount Studios. I go there. My name's at, uh, at a gate. I'm like, oh my god, I'm on a movie lot. What that? What the heck is going on in a movie? I've never been on a movie lot before. Yeah. It was really interesting, and I had to go to this place called Trailer Nine. Trailer Nine, and um. So I get I get to trailer nine. I walk in and I got to tell you this really side note really quick. As I walk in trailer nine, I see and it's the first person I had ever seen in my life. First celebrity that I see live and he's sitting on a couch and it's John Boy Walton. It's Richard Thomas. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, there's there's John Boy Walton. Oh, right, my right. God. Oh, my God. This is incredible. I was really blown away. Anyway. I, I go in there. I sign my name in. Uh, it, it, remember, it's 1991. And, and so I sit 81, down on the couch. 81. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. 81. My fault. Right, okay. So I sit down on the couch and um, and all of a sudden this guy walks in. Really good looking gentleman, blonde hair. And as he walks by me, he stops and he looks at me and he goes with, with an English accent. I'm going to try to do an English accent. Here. He goes, uh, who are you? Who, who are you, darling? And I said, uh, my name is Malcolm Daynar. And he goes, oh, my God. Oh, my, oh my God. And I'm like, what? And he goes, come into my office. I'm like, oh, okay. I go into this guy's office and he calls in the producer, Herb Jaffe. You know, I haven't said the name of the movie yet. Right. So um, I'm just kind of saving that for a I surprise here. Yep, yep. So so I, 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 this guy, Herb Jaffe, comes in and this guy and, and this, this director said, my name is Frank Rodham. My name is Frank Rodham, and I, I, you are just absolutely perfect for this movie I'm 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 casting right now. You're perfect, and I said, "Oh my God!" He goes, "Here, I want you to read this." So I I read this this very very uh, emotional sort of like death scene of the in the movie of the character that I do eventually end up playing, and it's it's this movie. The movie is called The Lords of Discipline. Yeah, and um and I uh, was auditioning for the role of the, the character of Poteet. And um, at that point, I read the lines. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I know nothing about what's going on. After I read the lines, he looks at me. And he goes, uh, Malcolm, I want to ask you a question. I go, yeah. And he goes, do you want me to change your life forever? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to change your life forever, forever, darling. And I go, what? He goes, I'd like for you to do the, this role in the movie of Poteet. So that's how I got my first movie. Unbelievable. It, unbelievable. It was un, unbelievable. So and, when you yeah. tell this story to other actors, do they get pissed at you? No, no. <laughs> I, I think people are more like, even to this day, when I tell that story of how I made it in the business, it's more like, oh my God, you just won the freaking lottery. Oh, absolutely. You won, you won the lottery, my I have friend. to ask you. I have to yeah. ask you. What possessed your father to tell Frank Rodham that you were an actor? What, well, what, me, <laughs> Maybe he thought his son was going to be a loser forever, and uh, after he graduated high school, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, he just, he, my father was an incredible man, and and he just he just took the bull by the horns and and That's said great. it, and you know, That's it great. it did. It really, you know, it changed my life. Nineteen eighty one, because it took a cu about three or four months for us to actually, uh, you know, once we started shooting the Lords of Discipline. Uh, that was in 1992. 
excuse me, 1982. God, I keep saying 90. That's okay. Uh, man, oh man. So it was 19. <laughs> sorry about that. So it was 81 when I met Frank Rodham, and it was 82 when we shot for about six and a half months in London, England, uh, the movie uh, Lords of Discipline. Yeah, which is a really, a, a I think it's a terrific movie. You know, and I was a big fan of because I, I, I will tell you this. Um, uh, I'm a sort of a geek about like who directed what and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that Lords of Discipline was coming out and I saw Frank Rodham's name on it, I had seen, by that point, I had seen Quadrophenia probably oh, 9,000 times. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I went, oh God, that's his, that's his next movie. And, uh, and I really, and now what was it like? I mean, obviously it's amazing that you got the gig working with this guy. Uh, were you aware of, uh, now, were you aware of Quadrophenia while you were working with him? Or Absolutely. Was that after? One, one, look, I wasn't, and like I said, I didn't know. Uh, I loved the movie biz. I loved movies. Yeah. I loved what it was all about. But I did see Quadrophenia twice yeah. uh, before I met Frank Rodham. So I knew I knew what I didn't know. He what an intense director Frank Rodham was going to be. I just I just knew that I loved the movie Quadrophenia and yeah. here's the director of Quadrophenia and I was like oh my god it yeah. was, that that blew me away and and you know so so I, I I was very starstruck about that but you know what was really interesting Nick of if you look at what you know with the Lords of Discipline who that movie what that movie spawned what actors came out of that movie I mean I'm sure you know that that it was, you know, David Keith had been around for a while. Yeah. He had been, you know, he'd done quite a few films. But, you know, all of a sudden you have Michael Bean yep. uh, from Terminator. You have Bill Paxton, yep. which was his second movie ever, which mm-hmm. was his second. He went by Wild Bill Paxton <laughs> in, in that film. Then you had Rick Rossovich. Yep. Um, it, it was just it, it, Mitchell Lichtenstein, the 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 act, oh, Judge Reinhold, right? And the yep. actors that came out of out of the Lords of Discipline. It's just incredible how that happened. I, I, again, I, I look back and I, and I know I'm a blessed guy for, for meeting all these people, you know, it's an amazing story, but what a great story. Your dad's driving a cab. Frank Rodham gets into it. Yeah. And he tells, I mean, that's amazing. That is that's that's an incredible story. That's an incredible story. And, and, you know, you mentioned that you got to work with, a, you know, a lot of these great actors who at, at one point, you know, maybe they weren't, they weren't, they didn't really take off at that point. You kind of had a tendency to do that in a bunch of movies. You did that. <laughs> you were in a lot of movies where with, with a lot of cast members that would pop out and, and, and break out. And again, you've worked with some amazing directors. In addition to Frank Rodham, you work with Mel Brooks, you work with Walter Hill, you work with uh, uh, Amy Hackerling. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously um, we'll get to John Carpenter. Yeah, of um, course, of course. And, and, but I, I really want to jump right now to uh, heaven help us. Um, you got it. To who, this, brother? Oh my God! That movie. <laughs> can I just tell you something, Malcolm? That movie. It's one of my favorite movies, um, maybe uh, ever. Uh. And it's weird. I did not go to Catholic school. I'm half Italian, half Irish, and not Catholic. I don't know how that. Happened. Okay. Okay. Um, but I did not go to Catholic school. But all of my friends that I hung out with at that time in the mid '80s, they were all graduates of of Catholic school, and they just told me, "Yeah, that's exactly how it is," and. Um, I just, you know, I love that movie so much. And again, you're working with people who would go on to like, at that point, I knew Andrew McCarthy just from class. That's the only thing. Yeah, that's that's the only one I knew him from. And I didn't know who Mary Stuart Masterson was. I didn't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, uh, Kevin Dillon. I knew his brother. I didn't know who he was. Uh, You know, um, uh, you know, and at at that point. 
I Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey, <laughs> Stephen uh, Stephen Jeffries, uh, yeah, who yeah. that same year, later that year, would do Fright Night. I knew you out of everybody. I knew you the most because Aww. because you you you, you had already done because I knew you from Christine at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I knew you from Lords of Discipline. I knew you from other stuff. So you and Andrew McCarthy, I kind of knew, except for the adults, obviously. You sure. know, Donald Sutherland and 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 Keddie Reed, and uh, and of course the late great John Hurd. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, and I I don't know I you know the does does anyone know what happened to the screenwriter of that movie? I'm, um, yeah, Charlie. I, Char- he only written two movies. I, I looked him up, and he'd only written two films. Yeah, he passed away uh, um, many, 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 many years ago. He was Charlie Papura was his name, Charles yeah. Papura, but we all spoke knew him as Charlie. He was like a, a hippie. He was he was a, a a guy that went to to Catholic school and needed to write about his about his younger life in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And obviously he was the Andrew McCarthy character, the Michael yeah. Dunn, I think his name was. Yep. And um, and uh, so he wrote he wrote this incredible movie called Catholic Boys. Right. It was called Catholic Boys, but the studios changed the name because of uh, the Catholic Church was giving them a real, real hard time um, saying you you can't uh, call it Catholic boys. Oh, so, oh, but they were fine with the rest of the content of the movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, uh, it, it's, it's crazy. I got to tell you a funny story. So yeah. coming from a Jewish background, right. I, I, you know, I play a Catholic boy in this, in this movie, just like a, a total Catholic boy. Yeah. So there was a scene with, that I do with Kevin Dillon when we're in a, in the confessional and um, you know, he pretends to be a priest right. and I, I don't know cause he's on the other side of the, uh, of the other side of the wall. Yeah. So as we're, as we're done w- with the scene and Michael dinner, the director said, okay, we're moving on about three weeks later. They said, we have to do an insert scene because you crossed yourself wrong. I, oh, I, I crossed man. myself with my, Left I hand. don't remember what hand it is. Yeah, left hand, yeah, that's the, the wrong left hand. hand yeah, but yeah, I did yeah. it with the right hand, so we had to go in and and right. I had to go in and do an insert scene because I crossed myself wrong. Right. And I'm sure that a lot of the uh, the Catholic people out there watching would have went, he just did it wrong. Yeah, you know. So yeah. anyway, I thought it was well. Kind of fun. So so okay. Now let me ask you this. I have to ask you this. And uh, 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 Jay Patterson, nice guy. Was he a nice guy? Because he's you know, such a dick in the movie. He, <laughs> he's uh, Jay Patterson is a great guy. He's a yeah. great guy. Um, I, you know, look, I'm going to tell you an incredible bit of trivia right now. Incredible. Okay. So uh, there was one actor that wanted to play the the role of Brother Constance, and he was such a huge, huge, huge movie star. And he, but he wanted to break away from who he, from the, 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 I guess the three times he played the same character. I'm trying to give you some clues here. Oh, okay. And he wanted to play the character because he wanted to break away from who he was. And, and it, it's really interesting because I, so he, at, he, so he never played a real, like a bad guy before, like an evil. He did not play a bad guy. This actor. I do. Do you know who it is, Nick? Or no. I, should I give you a couple more? Yeah. Uh, give me, wait, give me, give me, can you give me, a, so this is somebody who wanted to play the part and he was a huge name at the time. Huge name. He was probably one of the biggest names 
uh, around at the time. Holy and crap. he okay. begged, he begged the studio, he begged Michael Dinner that please let me play the role of, of Brother Constance. So um, I'm going to give you, the, so the first movie was, uh, I think it was in 1977, 76 okay. or 77. Okay. It came out and it, it, it took the world, the world uh, by storm. I mean, okay. it took, I'll say it took the empire by storm. Oh, I might've just right. given it away right now. Uh -huh. uh, so it was Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill. Wait, wanted to, he wanted to, wait, he a wanted to, yeah. Wait a minute. He wanted to play the part that Jay Patterson played. Yes. He wanted to play <gasps> brother oh Constance because oh my God, he would have been an actually incredible. I, yeah. I'm going to say Mark would have been incredible too. Uh, it, it was just, but I remember at the time, everybody saying, well, Mark Hamill's going to be playing brother Constance. I was like, Oh my God, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. But, uh, obviously I, I think because he had such a big name um, and I don't know if people could have, would have believed. Yeah. Mark Hamill. Yeah. When you're so, a, when you're so closely associated with, an iconic role like that. That's tough. That's tough. Cause I mean, I, you know, like he's a very talented guy and obviously an incredible voiceover artist as well. And a very funny yeah. guy and he can act, but he's forever going to be Luke Skywalker. I remember when Corvette summer came out, I was like, <laughs> Oh, Luke Skywalker's in a nice car. You know, like that was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but man, I couldn't imagine him playing that role though. That would have been crazy. That would have been, it would have really been crazy. crazy. And, and believe it or not, the um the uh actor who was uh, Donald Sutherland played um uh, brother Thaddeus in the yes. movie. Do right. you know who was supposed to do it? And no, he, who, was, who was he? It was his role, and he was going to play it. But I guess a movie that he was doing at the time it ran over, and they and they just couldn't do the 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 you know the right scheduling. It was uh, going to be Sean Connery. Uh, oh, playing wow. brother Thaddeus. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's, inc it's incredible. It, Isn't it it really and then is... of course, the first thing that pops into my mind when you say that is name of the Rose because he played yep. <laughs> yeah. kind of, he could have used the same costume. Uh, yeah, it, absolutely. So <laughs> it was, it was Sean Con. Anyway, it, it, it really is amazing. I'm going to go back to a movie really quick. Do you know who they wanted in the Lords of Discipline to play um, the role that GD Spradlin played? Do you know who no. they, Marlon uh, no. Brando. Mar they wanted Brando for that part? Th they wanted Brando for that, and they wanted Gene Hackman for the Robert Prosky role. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, it's it's amazing to to see, you know, all when you look back at the trivia now at, at, at what could have been. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? What is is oh. still pretty amazing. No, I, I, I adore that movie. I, I really do. I think it's really lovely and really funny. And everybody in it is so good. And it's, it's it, you know, it's my favorite of your roles. I, I have oh, to say. Oh, thank I, you. I love you in that movie. I think you're just so funny. <laughs> and, and I love, like, just your facial expressions. You're just so sick of the dumbasses around you. And it's just, I you know... Uh, and the stuff with you and Kevin Dillon is so funny when you have to work with him, when you, you know, you have to you know, oh, do yeah. his homework for him and stuff. All of that stuff is great. And I love the relationship between Andrew McCarthy and, and Mary Stuart Masterson. I think it's a oh, really, it's, it's a really lovely, lovely movie. And it, it's a beautiful film. It is. You know, it's, it is. it's really interesting because as you said, the chemistry, it's, it's interesting because the chemistry that Kevin and I had in the film, and we still talk to each other all the time, yeah. um, was, was pretty remarkable. And I mean, we really 
played off of each other and had a good time. But I got to tell you, my favorite scene in that movie, it's not a huge scene, um, but it's the scene that I'm doing with Yardley Smith oh, sure. in the back of the car. Absolutely. When she's, when she's telling Caesar, you know, how much she likes something that he wrote. And, and he, he's so yeah, yeah. pompous about it. Yeah. It's so, I, I, what it I, was really, I love that yeah, scene so, too. And for people who don't know, that's the voice of Lisa Simpson. You go out on a date yeah. with the voice of Lisa Simpson in that movie, but that scene that you're <laughs> talking about, I love that scene too. I think it's wonderful. And what I really love about it is that's the, the paper that you plagiarized is the, is the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is the paper. <laughs> That's the paper that I plagiarized. And he's like, well, I did do that rather well, didn't I? Exactly. I, <laughs> it, it was just so, it's so perfect. I mean, yeah. I, I just remember, you know, it was really interesting because I speak to Michael Dinner quite a bit. And I said to him, I said, Michael, you know, this is many, 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 many years later. Michael Dinner is the director of that film. Yeah. And I said, Michael, you know, how did, how did you how did I do what I did in that film? Because it was so different from all the other things. And I said, why did you just didn't really, you gave me a lot of fun direction, but you never told me how to, he goes, if I would have told you anything different, I would have killed, I would have killed you as the character and you wouldn't have done what you did in that film. I was like, yeah. wow, well, thank you. So yeah. I, I, I appreciate Nick that that is that you say that's your favorite role because I, it, 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 I, I love the role of Caesar, but you know you got to go back to your first movie. Po Poteet's my still my yeah. favorite role. Yeah, you of know, course. of course. And I mean, I listen. Just I'm a huge fan of everything you do, but for me, I, there's just something about that movie. Uh, like heaven help us, I've seen it a million. I just watched it last night, Malcolm. Oh uh, my god! Again, just because I knew I was going to wow. talk to you, and I watched it again, and it's probably the seven thousandth time I've seen it, and and it oh, still holds you. up to me the chemistry between like all of you it's just like watching a bunch of really great young actors you know what i mean like and it's like the chemistry was there and a lot of people didn't know who you guys were at that time yeah. and it was just wonderful to see all of these young actors just kicking ass with a great script and a really good director and great you know uh, adult actors and 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 really seasoned actors to give you support. I mean, Philip Bosco is in the goddamn movie. Oh my movie God. And, you know. Uh, I mean, come on, Nick, what, you know, I'll tell you, when we did that scene by the swimming pool, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was really funny because people like were like, well, where did Caesar have that handkerchief? Right. You know, so, <laughs> he goes like, where did, was he keeping that handkerchief? Because you guys are swimming naked. For people who don't know, there's this, yeah. in Catholic school in those days, you would swim naked. My father swam naked uh, at, a, yeah, at, it, at the high school that he went to, yeah. It was a pretty embarrassing scene because, you know, obviously that scene, every single one of us were completely naked. Yep. And there's Philip Bosco, who's one of the most incredible, serious actors, yeah. you know, do I, I, I am so blessed to have done that scene with him. I honestly say I don't know how we kept straight faces. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we laughed a lot. Yeah. But um, but, you know, we got through the scene. I mean, yeah. but I'm completely naked in front of him. Yeah. So that yep. must have been a tough scene for him to to do yeah. with with about 30 naked like 30, guys, 30 you know? naked guys right in front of you. Yeah. And I have to I have to ask you about um, before we jump into the next uh, topic here. And I'm sorry, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going off a little bit on heaven. Help no, us, no, it's I, all good. Man. I, I love the movie. Um what was it like to work with uh, with John Hurd, who Aww. one of my favorite uh, actors, so consistently good in everything. everything, and that was the same year he was in 
that year, same year, he was in After Hours that year. And and I remember... Oh, uh, yes, yes. I, I, God, I love John Hurd so much. When I heard he passed away, I was so upset. And he's so great in Heaven Help Us. And he's such he's such a great character and a cool character. Um, can you tell me about working with him a little bit? I, I, I loved it. Unfortunately, I think I had maybe two scenes with him in it, in mm-hmm. the movie. But he was a very, very uh, uh, lovely generous giving actor um you know always never really overplayed anything you know but there was just such a i mean if you watch the movie cutter's way i'm, oh, I'm sure you know that one Please, you know yeah. I, when i remember i remember i was like oh my god i'm doing i'm doing a scene with the guy from cutter's way you know um it, it was it, he's yeah. in, he was a lovely lovely man and to hear about his passing was was just uh, was just a shock i mean he, it was a shock he, he is i love him in everything now there's one and i love him in uh, like you mentioned you mentioned cutter's way because it's him and jeff yeah. bridges and jeff bridges is just please i mean he's yeah, incredible oh, and but like um you know he was in a movie with samuel l jackson uh, john hurd was in a movie with samuel l jackson called 187 um huh, i don't know he, that one. Oh man he's got a scene in that movie um, it's directed by uh, by Kevin Reynolds, um, who huh. did well most most notoriously he did Waterworld, but he also did yeah, you know yeah. uh, Robin Hood and a couple of other films. Um, but he, he plays they play teachers, and uh, John Hurd plays this teacher who is sick and tired of all the bad students, and he you know keeps a gun in his desk and he's going to kill some mm. students if he needs to. And there is a monologue that he has where he's in his garage with Samuel L. Jackson and he's drunk and he pulls out some weapons in his garage and starts showing his guns to. To Samuel L. Jackson. And it is one of the best scenes. uh, I mean, I love the movie. Nobody's seen it. Six people have seen that movie. Um, (laughs) 187, it's called, if you're you're looking for it. I'm right. Hold on. I'm writing it down right now. 187. (laughs) 187. And his scene in that that garage where he's, you know, telling Samuel L. Jackson that you should just shoot these students. And it's it's one of the most terrifying scenes that I've ever seen. And he was able to play... That kind of nice guy in heaven help us and this terrifying crazy teacher in one eight seven and everything in between. He was a tremendous actor, just a tremendous. Ah, uh, yeah, he really he was a he was a lovely man. I I I I like I said, you know, I saw him on the set a lot, but we didn't really have a yeah. lot of scenes together. Um, yeah. and and the things that we did do, it was it was it was fun. But he he was an extremely talented talented man. Yeah. I remember when all of a sudden he was on the Sopranos. Yeah, for uh, for uh, yeah. Uh, quite a few episodes, he was yeah. incredible on The Sopranos. I mean, all, I mean, obviously he's in one of the big. He's in the Home Alone movies. I mean, this you yeah, know, yeah. Like one of the big one of the biggest series of movies ever, and he's in that. He was just terrific, uh, and he's and he's really wonderful as everybody is in Heaven Help Us. It's just one of those uh, movies that I just never tire of watching. I still think it's just lovely and funny and warm and a great period piece. And God, the soundtrack, all the music oh in my it God. is so good. Wow. And um, no, I just love that. I love that movie and I love you in it. I really do. Uh, I just... Thank you, Nick. I, I, I'm, I'm touched and honored that, that, I, that I'm in one of your favorite films. Thank oh, you. It's so great. Now, before we jump into some of the other movies, listen, you know, um, you are a playwright and I want to talk about that. Um, yeah. How long have how long have you been doing that? And I know that um, you've you've written you've written plays, and many of them have been produced, and you know, um, and been successful. When did you start writing plays, and when did you decide that that was something that you wanted to try out? Very great question. Um, I uh, <laughs> I had just gotten out of a relationship with a woman that I was absolutely in love with, absolutely uh, a well known actress, but I can't I won't say names. Okay. Anyway, we had we we broke up. 
And I was like, oh my God, I need therapy. I need to do something. I got to, I got to figure out how to, how to, you know, get over this hurt that I was, that I was suffering for months and months. And then I thought, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to write a play about our four best experiences we had in our relationship. So I, I, I wrote this play, um, called in heat, which takes place in the summer, which we are in the middle of a massive heat wave right here in Los Angeles right now. Uh, thank God for air conditioning. Um, but, but I, so I wrote this play called in heat, which was four vignettes and it was four different, um, uh, it was just four different vignettes of, or moments of happiness in my relationship with this lovely lady. And, um, so I, I wrote this thing and what I did was I, I, there was a beginning, middle and an end, as you know, as a playwright, Nick, you know that I had to figure out how the beginning and the middle and the end was going to, was going to go because they were vignettes. They were, they were literally separate vignettes. So, um, at the, what I did was at the end of the fourth vignette, I got everybody together on stage to sing the song from West Side Story, um, tonight, tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, 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 I wish that play could have run forever. I, it was, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful play. I had some incredible, uh, actors, uh, that did it. We ran in Los Angeles for three months for three, three months and, um, three months. Sorry about that. And, and then we were going to take it to New York and we were going to do it off Broadway. And this was in the year 2008. And, as we were getting an incredible deal to do an off to do it off Broadway in New York, uh, the recession hit in 2008 yeah, and yeah. everything just went down the drains. So that, you know, that was the first play I wrote. And then I thought, OK, this was a love story. A couple years later, I wrote another play in the same you know, the same way as vignettes. And it was called easy go. And my, my lit agents and the, my team around me said, well, don't do a romance. We wanted you to do another type of, you know, uh, do this play, but another way. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to write four different murders. So obviously I've never murdered anybody, (laughs) but I, I, (laughs) I, um, I did, you know, the same way as, as the vignettes, but I did the murders where everybody meets at the end. And we almost got that play up in New Orleans. Um, but again, it, you know, it's so hard to get, you know, to, to get finances for 99 yeah. seat theater. It is. Yeah. It yeah. really is. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm at the access of, incredible actors and actresses. I, I know everybody and I know that people, uh, uh, you know, love, I know that people respect my work and love it. <laughs> I should yeah. say. And, and I, it's not hard to get the actors to do what I'm asking. It's, it's hard to, to, you know, get the finances to pay the actors yeah. to do 99 yeah. C theater. If you're doing, you know, uh, 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 
250 seat or you're doing 500 seat, yeah. it, you know, you're being paid, they're being paid professionally. So yeah. it's hard. Yeah, I, mean, it really I, did store, hard. I did storefront theater for many, many years. I didn't see it. Exactly. Back. And we did. So you know, exactly. Every money, every bit of money that came into the theater would go right to the rent or whatever. And nobody. Absolutely. And we, you know, we kept the tip jar on the box office. And that's exactly. We split, you know. Well, you know, I, I, I did. I was lucky enough to pay my actors a certain amount when we were doing in heat, but it, it was like $15 yeah. a, a, a night, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they would do is the actors would say, oh, you know, we're not going to take $15. So I would, you know, write them the checks for whatever it was. And then they would kick it right back to the theater yeah. and it would pay for drinks. It would pay for other stuff. Right. At the theater, right. You know? I, so I, that I know was really cool. I know exactly what you're saying, man. I've did it for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but now, so the, the plays themselves, the plays that you've written, like in heat, have they been produced elsewhere? Has anybody gone to you and said, I'd like to do a production of it elsewhere? Have they? Have, has anybody ha- had interest in producing it in other cities or other places? It, it was going to be done in quite a few other places. But the thing within Heat, remember, it was written in 2008. So it, it, I would have to, at this point, it's not a... It's never going to be a classic play like, you know, uh, I, you know, Prisoner of Second Avenue yeah. or any type of Neil Simon. So I would have to update it. Got it. And yep. I just don't know if I have the time or yeah. if I if I do want to update the, these these plays. Um, what did happen was um, the play when In Heat was 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 uh, was running um the the uh the wonderful and he was and he turned into a mentor of mine and I loved him until he passed away a couple of years ago was Chuck Gordon Charles Gordon who did the movie um uh October Skies produced that uh produced the movie uh Waterworld uh mm-hmm. produced um directed uh, by Kevin Field Reynolds of, the director of 187 Exactly Field <laughs> of Dreams yep. so Chuck Gordon came to see the play and absolutely fell in love with it oh, and man. he uh, uh optioned the play from from me and then he got the actor he got the so the the person who directed the play was james eckhouse do you remember james eckhouse james from eckhouse. um 90210 oh he was the oh. father yeah oh yeah of course yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh so he directed so, it oh yeah okay. so james directed it and okay. then he dramaturged it with me oh and cool so i really you know i owe james so much i owed him so much for putting my first play on that when when the play was um optioned by charles gordon uh and uh i i I, he said i want you guys to adapt the play into the movie into a movie that's so james and i did did the adaptation of the play too um it 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 didn't get made for uh for one specific reason but i uh legally Legally, unfortunately, I can't talk about it still. Okay. Uh, but it was, um, it was the, the play was, the idea was stolen from me and it was made into a very, very successful film. So, off the record, I'll tell you what oh, the film was. Oh, okay. okay. And it was made and it, and, and it was, it, you know, we could have, we, we could have taken legal action, but I didn't do it because. I wanted to, I still want to work in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) So I got you. And, and, uh, you know, I think people would be surprised at how often that kind of thing happens. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a real shame. That's too bad. But I, you know, but other than that, in my producing career, I've been lucky enough to produce, you know, 
uh, $250,000 films. Uh, one I did about, it was almost a million dollars. I mean, they're so fun to produce, to produce these types of films. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they really are. I'd, I'd love to, you know, do one over a million dollars and yeah. it would be fun. But you know, I, the, the thing is, is it, I, I have found that, you know, when you produce these films and they're these small independent films, you, there's a lot more love that goes into these films than there is if you're doing a studio film. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always there. I'm, I'm always wanting to, to, to pr produce. I don't ever want to direct. I'm not a director. I don't know really how to direct actors. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what to do. I, cause I know what a pain in the ass I, you know, am <laughs> as an actor. So I, I don't want to get mad at other actors, um, <laughs> I gotcha. but I do love writing and producing. It's, well, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's great to hear. And yeah, it's gotta be, you know, really gratifying, uh, you know, putting together something on a smaller budget. Um, you know, it, it feels more organic, I guess, you know, doing it in that way as oh, opposed yeah, to having the yeah. big, you know, and, and you work your ass off doing it. I think that, and, the and payoff... you can get your friends and you can, yeah. you know, if you, like I can call up my, my per like friends that are very well-known actors and say, come on, will you work with me? Will yeah. you work on this film for yeah. three or four days? I'll give you this much money. This is all you're going to get. And, yeah. and if you can do it, that would be fantastic. I have never gotten a no from That's anybody. Great that I've ever worked with. You know, I, 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 I'm a lucky guy at that. Yeah. I've never really burned any bridges in this town. Well, some women's bridges I have, but not actors. <laughs> and then you write a play about it. That's how it works. Yes, out. exactly. Yeah, works. I did. I did. I'm not, I'm not kidding, Malcolm. I did the same thing twice after two breakups. I go. wrote two, two of my most successful plays in Chicago were about. Oh breakups. my God. I, so. Chicago, man, I would love to, I, I'd love to go to Chicago and, 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 and do a play there or, the, or, or the, put up a play there. Oh, the store, the storefront theater uh, uh, community here in Chicago. I, I have to say, I think it's the best place to do theater in the country, um, mm. because I mean, you know, it's not as expensive as, as New York is, um, but man, you really get to 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 learn your chops here uh, doing 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 plays uh, in the storefront world here in Chicago. Oh, man, uh, it's Isn't really it incredible. Like like you know what we were talking about hundred seat theaters. Yeah, I, I I've done so many. I, I've done so many plays and on stage did i love the ones that i did in front of 1500 people or you know uh, latc in front of uh, in in front of 800 people yeah. do i love those yeah. yeah but the you know the minute you're about to walk out on the stage you're like why the hell am i putting myself through this anxiety what am i going to do i don't want to do this and the minute you step out on stage yeah. you're like that goal goes away, but hundred seat theater is phenomenal, isn't it, Nick? We did, we did the the theater that I worked for. I was I was artistic director of the Factory Theater for many many years here in Chicago, and mm. it was a, original uh, mostly comedies that we would do. And I wrote and directed and acted in a bunch of them. I studied at Second City here in Chicago, and blah blah blah. Oh, but wow, wow. but but we would used to put up the our our seats were we had sixty in the house. That was our house. And Love sometimes it. we would add seats and break the fire codes. Ah, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Like, well, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's something really gratifying about it. You know, like people are like, wow, you're not making it. We didn't make a dime, but just having 60 people in a theater, that to us was a huge thrill. And um, it's great. I, 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 I totally understand the the love of doing it and the joy of it and then like the frustration too but then when you walk out on that stage or you're lurk in my case i directed a lot of the shows sitting in the yep. booth watching watching my actors kick ass in front of just 40 people it's still great it's still great and isn't it and isn't it amazing 
you know, you've written a play and you're directing it. And all of a sudden here are these actors speaking your yeah, words. It's amazing. Oh my God. It's, it really is uh, one of the most gratifying things ever, ever to, to, and you know, I mean, that's talk about a show of respect to you, Nick, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. And I, and that's why I wanted to ask you about it because you know, like I, I saw that you wrote some plays and stuff and I just, I was like, I got to ask you about that. Cause that's incredible. It was so, the best. It it, yeah. it really is. It really is the best. I and I can't I, wait till I we. Loved... I, I can't wait till we're off the record because I can't wait to hear what the what the movie was. But we'll get into oh, that I, when we're not. You'll winning. know that one. I, I promise you that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen. Uh, uh, Mike and Mia are going to kill me because we have to talk about Christine, and I know I want to talk about <laughs> Christine. Uh, Mike and Mia, uh, as they as they as you all know, they run the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, which is happening this year, August fourth through the sixth, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, which is a fantastic hotel, the best hotel in that entire area. Um, the whole weekend is amazing. There's going to be a Scream reunion. There's going to be a Terrifier and Terrifier 2 reunion. Um, um, Sven Gulli is going to be there with Joe Bob Briggs, and I'm going to MC Yay. that night. That's going to be great. I'm doing my podcast live on stage there Yay. as well. Um, and there is a Christine reunion uh, with uh, William Ostrander, uh, Stephen Tash, and Malcolm. Uh, the car is going to be there. The actual car is going to be there. And it's all uh, to honor the 40th anniversary, my God, unbelievable, of John Carpenter's Christine. How did you get the role of Bucci? Okay, so this is really interesting. I, um, I, I, at that point, I had, as, as we've gone through it, I had already done the movie um, Lords of Discipline, Flashdance. Uh, um, oh, okay, I, that was it. I'm sorry. I'd already yeah. done... Lord's and you didn't have a line and you'd have no lines in flash dance no way. lines but it was like you know i got it's so funny you have no lines but you get fifth billing in the yeah. film you know yeah but and it you was, got to work was, with and, and i don't know if we were gonna have time we have time for this you get to work with lee ving which is leaving so, was the best oh loved my him. god oh my god loved him love leaving but i'm going to tell you something really quick about that that yeah, yeah. that that movie so before leaving came on here's another thing that we were talking about so do you know who was supposed to play that role that uh, role. And he was Adrian Lynn's best friend. He was supposed to play it. He came on the set. I got to meet him. I got to sit in his trailer with him. It was Keith Richards. Oh, he, what? He, it was Keith Richards. Oh <laughs> it was <God>. Keith Richards. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And I'm like, here I am sitting with Keith freaking Richards. Keith and Richards was going to be in Flashdance? He was going to play Johnny C. I can't, was, even, I can't You have officially blown my mind. He right was going now. to play Johnny C, but obviously there were probably things that, you know, the memorization. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know why Keith oh Richards didn't end up God. doing it. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So it was going to be Keith Richards. And then when Keith Richards didn't do it, they tried to get Rod Stewart and they, they, they tried to get Rod. And I don't know what happened there. Right. And then... Obviously, they got the great leaving. They got yes. the great leaving. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, an incredible, incredible guy to work with. I loved him. Yeah. I, I absolutely love leaving. Can cannot say anything bad about him. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you were you. So you had Flashdance under your belt, and you had uh, and uh, and yeah, you had you Lords go. of Discipline. And so, did you okay. go into? Did you audition for Carpenter? Is that how it worked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what 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 happened was is um you know obviously they have to hold auditions um and then once once they like you once they like you um the casting director will bring you back for the director that was at that time in you know nineteen it was still nineteen eighty two at that right. point right so um I I went in there read for the role of Moochie. 
the casting director said, okay, we're going to bring you back to the director, which was obviously John Carpenter. Yeah. And uh, went in. Now, remember, before before this movie, I was um, offered another movie after uh, Lords and Flashdance, which was called Police Academy Number 1. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and um, we turned it down because I wanted to do Lords, uh, because I wanted to do Christine yeah. because it was a John Carpenter and Stephen King thing. I anyway, the, I think um, you made the right choice, Malcolm. I think I did. It, I, it turned into a franchise, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, you made the right and choice. And I made the right choice. <laughs> yeah. um, and so went in, auditioned, and I remember doing this. They What they do, and I'm sure you know about this, Nick, it's called mixing and matching. So yeah. um, they had different actors i knew when i went in there the first time and met carpenter that i was pretty much uh a shoe-in i i just think they needed to mix and match who i was gonna be who was gonna play the bad guys around me so when i went in for a big mix and match uh uh uh, audition it was with bill Forsythe playing buddy repperton Mm -hmm. and it was andrew mccarthy playing uh the arnie role oh my god it was yeah, and it was and it was oh god, who was the other? We were we did the shop scene in John Carpenter's office. We did the whole shop scene, and I remember towards the end of the audition, Bill Forsythe picked up Andrew McCarthy and smashed him into the desk of John Carpenter, oh and I, I, it was it was outrageous. It was it what what you could do back then. Anyway, obviously Andrew and Bill. Bill Forsythe didn't get those roles. So I didn't know what was going on. I knew that they had cast me in flat in, um, in Christine. And I, the first day I got to the set, which was the shop scene. That's when I met uh, Bill Ostrander playing buddy Repperton, yeah. Steve Tash playing uh, rich. I don't remember the last name of that character and Stuart Charno, Stuart Charno who played yeah. Don something Don. Yeah. Don something. Yeah. And um, I, I remember meeting all those guys and we all really, really, really bonded. You know, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, you know, when poor Keith, you know, I, I'm going to save some of these stories for the panel when sure. we um, of course, when we talk about it. But, yeah. you know, John Carpenter, here's the thing about Carpenter. He is not an actor's director. He is a strictly technical director you know that i mean so when john carpenter casts you in a movie he knows that you're going to play the role that he wants you to play yeah so you know it i remember it was the first day it was the shop scene and you know we had to give you know during rehearsals you know you wanted to give john needed to make keith really keith gordon arnie really uncomfortable. He really, really needed to make Keith Gordon, uh, who played Arnie, uh, uncomfortable. And so during rehearsals, the director, you know, John Carpenter said to Tash and I, Steve Tash and I, do some stuff to, to Keith Gordon to make him a little more uncomfortable. So I, I, you know, I was doing things and Steve was doing things and I was probably doing a little bit more than Tash. Mm-hmm. And when Carpenter said, Okay, we're gonna you know go on and we're gonna shoot the first scene here. I get a um, I, I see Keith Gordon walk over to Carpenter, and I see him talking to Carpenter. And Carpenter looks at me, and he and and Keith walks away, and then Carpenter walks over to me, and he goes, uh, "Malcolm, you know Keith Gordon 
doesn't really like a lot of the stuff you're doing to him in the rehearsals. It's making him uncomfortable. I said, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I said, what should I do? And then uh, Carpenter mm-hmm. says, do it fucking more. Do it more. <laughs> so it was like, there you go. So that, that's when I realized that Carpenter was was Carpenter. You know? oh, I've had the pleasure of, uh, I've done a couple of panels with Carpenter. Uh, uh, and he's my, he's my favorite director. And, and Yeah, he's I, great. I, when I saw, um, I was 13 years old when I saw uh, um, Halloween, and when it was over, it was the first movie as a 13-year-old, and I'd seen a million movies at that point, and a ton of horror films and stuff, so I was already, like, look, my father took me to see The Exorcist when I was eight in the theater. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's so, why but, you're so fucked up. No, I'm <laughs> exactly, kidding. Exactly, <laughs> man, exactly. So, but I remember specifically, after seeing Halloween, I remember walking out to the front of the theater and looking at the poster to see who the director was, because it was the mm. first movie where I was like, oh, that's what a director does. And so it was kind of a landmark movie in my life. And so when I met Carpenter through Mike and Mia, that was the first time I met him was oh, he wow. came to Flashback uh, in 2012 for the 30th anniversary of The Thing. That's why uh, he was there. And, uh, uh, and, I, and I, I got to do his panel. I got to meet him. I got to talk to him. And he was very patient with me because I had him sign every fucking thing that I Oh, had. my God. Wow. Well, he's a cantankerous old fart. He now. is, man. I'll give he, you that oh, one. Yeah. But oh, he's yeah. he's really I, I love him. I was I was just at another convention a, about a month and a half ago with him. And mm. he, he could not have been more uh, more gracious and more loving and uh, yeah. just like, oh, my God, it's it's yeah. it's he, it was so fun to be around him. The, the, the thing the thing the thing about Carpenter now is he's a grumpy dude now. He's like a gr- he's, he's a gr- kind of a grumpy, grumpy old dude. And that's cool. And he's doing so much stuff with music with his son and they're touring. And I've seen them yeah. live a bunch of times. They're fantastic. I love what he's doing with his career. And man, when I was interviewing him, we were talking about some of the remakes uh, that they were making of his movies at the time. And this was 11 years ago. And uh, and now, you know, like I remember him saying, listen, I'm not upset about it, you know, because they remade Assault on Precinct 13. No, they've remade a bunch of the fall got remade. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I told my parents a very long time ago when I was young, I would really love to make a lot of money and do nothing. <laughs> and, and, and he's smoke like, and, cigarettes. Now, and now I'm doing that. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. So it's and he's a, he was great. So, I'm, you know, this was like you got him right after he did the thing. Um, I did. I, you know, I, I'll tell you this. One of my favorite movies of all time. I still, and I haven't seen it in such a long time is Starman. I oh man, yeah. love Starman. Great I movie. mean, everything about that movie is phenomenal. Yep. And he, uh, and, and you, but you know, it's like, uh, but so like it was, it was, it was, was it fun to work with Carpenter? I mean, uh, just oh in my general? God. Yeah. It, you know, again, I've got so many stories that I, I mean, I, I could say some, it, 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 some fun stories, but I don't know if you let's want to do them at the panel. the panel. Let's do them at the panel. So, That's why we want people to come out to the panel, which uh, is yeah. probably going to be on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but anyway, you, you can get your tickets at flashbackweekend.com August 4th through the 6th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. And uh, all those stories that Malcolm is teasing us with, I'll get him to tell all of them. I promise. Promise. You that. I'll give you. I'll give you one little teaser. Okay. On, on, give us another teaser on that. Yeah. So I. Um. So if there's a scene, there's a scene when um the, the car is chasing Moochie in the Moochie death scene. Yes. And um and uh, it's a certain point where I'm running and you see me run down a little bit of a hill, and then I have to and then I stop in the street. Uh. Be, but John. Like I said, he's such a technical director. I 
we were shooting the, the, the Moochie death scene took about three days. It was so technical. Mm-hmm. It was, everything was so, so technical. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot was, of element. There's a lot of elements to it too. I mean, yeah. oh, oh my God, there's so yeah. many elements. So there's this one bit where I run down this little hill into a street and John Carpenter needed me to hit a spot, yep. just a certain spot because he wanted the where where I'm standing there and you can see it you could see what he was what he was looking for so when i hit that when i finally hit the spot i'm trying to get to the joke here so uh, we did this take about 30 times oh, wow. i could not hit the spot nick i couldn't do it, yeah. it, it they put they put uh, bean bags there they put they put a bucket there. They put everything, but the, I couldn't hit the spot until I said to John Carpenter and it was probably four 30 in the morning. I said, can't I just look down and look where the spot is? Just let me look down. Just let me look down. And he goes, all right, fine. So if you're watching this, this part of the, of the movie of the scene, watch where I look, you'll see me look down. Yeah. At the spot. And then I stop and I'm perfectly hit the, the mark there that he needed me to hit the, you know, yeah. but, and then I kind of run towards the alleyway and that's where the whole big, you know, the alleyway scene happens. Right. But right. it was so, really and that's interesting. Take, and that's a take he used. That's a take he used after <laughs> right. 30 freaking takes of, of like, of like me go, and I, but you see me look down. So I want you to, you know, when you're watching the film, yeah. you know, you'll see me look down. And it's like, God, why couldn't I just done that on the first take? You could have done that 25 takes ago. It would have been better. Oh, my it, God. It wouldn't yeah. be four o'clock in the morning right now. So no, it I also it love the fact that you pull a goddamn switchblade on the on the on the car. I just love that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, the Nick, what do you think the most asked question uh, to what? me is? The most asked question ever. I, I, I mean, it will be asked and asked. I think now so many people know that that it's such an asked question. They do it on purpose to me. They're like, so when you were in the loading dock and and you you know you pull the the switchblade on the on the car, well, why didn't you just jump on the hood and run away? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And my my you know answer now is because it wasn't written in the fucking script. That's why. <laughs> You know? Well, I will tease you with what my opening question is going to be, and I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Because I have an opening question, and it's oh, for you, okay. and it's it's you and Bill and Stephen will be asked this question, and it's a question I've, I've now wanted to ask for 40 years, and I'm going you to. You got it. Be, that will be the first question that I ask, and it's going to be a very important question. I can't okay? wait. I, I okay. can't even think of what it's going to be, but I can't <laughs> I, wait. I'm not going to tell you until uh, Saturday the or whenever we do the. The q and I'm not going to tell you until we do the panel, but I do have a very, very important pressing 40-year-old question that I need to ask all three of you. Oh, I, I, I thought you were going to ask me, uh, what did John Stockwell's crotch feel like? <laughs> <laughs> First thing on uh, my mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, First thing exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, obviously, you know, Christine is a classic. It's such a great movie. One of the many great films that John Carpenter has made. And you worked with so many great directors. And what an incredible story about how you got into the business, man. I mean, just such a great story. Um, uh, I got to say, Malcolm, it's, been a, it's just been a real pleasure uh, talking to you. And I cannot wait to meet you face-to-face and hang out with you during the weekend and do your Q&A and all that stuff. It's going to be great. Absolutely, Nick. I can't wait. And, and what a pleasure it is to to be on, on your famous, famous uh, podcast here. I'm, oh, I'm a lucky guy too, huh? Uh, I'm, pr- I'm just like thrilled that you're, that you're here and that you did it. And we're going to have a great time. I guarantee you, you're going to love, um, besides, you know, your, your God, uh, your goddaughter, 
uh, you are going to love Chicago while you're uh-huh. there. Um, and uh, and you'll wait. love you'll love the tribe and you'll love flashbacks. So everybody, get your tickets now, August fourth through the sixth at the Hyatt Regency at O'Hare. Unbelievable amount of events. Uh, Alan Haworth is going to do a concert. Uh, there's gonna, Charles Band is going to host a party, a late night party. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, and Sven Gulli are going to be on the stage together. Uh, there are all kinds of other reunions and the Christine reunion and all that cool stuff and photo ops, all kinds of great stuff. So make sure you get your tickets now and get to see Malcolm uh, and uh, the other guys from Christine live. Uh, flashbackweekend.com. Uh, Malcolm, uh, real pleasure, man. And, uh, and I will see you uh, uh, the 4th through the 6th at the, at the Hyatt. Yes, you will, sir. Okay, so uh, let's say goodbye. Uh, Malcolm, you hang, you hang on, and uh, I'm going to say yes, goodbye to everybody. All right, uh, right now, let's jump over and say hello to uh, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esma, I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah. That's right. It's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon. And uh, we do that on uh, on every episode on uh, Friday as well. And that's what today is. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm all right. We got a weird little feedback coming uh, coming on me, but uh, but uh, we can deal with it. It's a little echo. I don't know if you can hear it on your end, but there's an echo happening. I cannot. Okay. I can hear it, but we'll be all right. It'll be fine. It'll be, let's just pretend that you're in New Zealand, and that's why there's... Got a, it. That's, that's what it is. Esmeralda is here, as, uh, as uh, we are all the time. Uh, we're, uh, it's a Friday. It's coming up on the weekend. You got anything planned for the weekend, Esmeralda? Um, not as of yet. I know it's going to be crazy hot out, so probably... Yeah going to try to stay in as much as possible yeah it's crazy Um, try not to die i think it's i think it's going to die down a little bit for the weekend but friday that would be today technically Mm -hmm. uh it's supposed to be like a hundred and five thousand degrees outside so yeah yeah Uh, yeah not a a fan i hate this kind of weather but it is you know what it's it's late july that happens so you know it is gotta deal with it so anyway uh, so, you know, so no, uh, so no, no outdoor fests this week, like last week. I thought maybe cause you went to pitch. No, for, thank you're just, you. You're just going to go to outdoor, <laughs> outdoor festivals every day this summer. No, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, cool. Uh, so did you, did, have you, have you downloaded any of the new, the smile albums because you're obsessed with the band now or no? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, oh, Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh, hi, love Nick's show. She's wearing a Flashback Weekend t-shirt, Esmeralda. Oh, Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, nice. and I love Nick's show. That's right. She's here. Thank you, Carrie. All right. We'll talk to you in a little bit. So, Esmeralda, um, it's getting closer. We are, in fact, one week away from the beginning of the Flashback Convention. It's August 4th through the 6th at the Hyatt Regency in O'Hare. Um, and, uh, it'll be your second flashback weekend. Mm-hmm. Did you have fun it last time? You, you did, right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I had a well, really good time. 
Yeah, it should be fun. Lots of really cool celebrities. Um, and uh, I know that you enjoyed you enjoyed the first Scream motion picture, did you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that well, was a great one. So four of the stars from the first Scream are going to be there. That's um, exciting. That's going to be really cool. And I'm, I'm assuming you watched the Jamie Kennedy uh, experiment, I, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. well, he'll be there. I don't know if he's going to pull any pranks. But, uh, oh boy. But, <laughs> but he will be there. Skeet Ulrich, the lovely, beautiful man. Nice. Skeet Ulrich is going to be there. Also star of As Good Very As It cool. Gets. Uh, and Rose McGowan, who does not come to many conventions. Yeah. And she's going to be there. And Lee Waddell, who was the very first Ghostface Killer guy. He was behind the mask. Ooh. He's going to be there. Oh, that's so, exciting. Yeah. There will be approximately 27 cast members of the two Terrifier movies there. <laughs> it is, seriously, it is the biggest Terrifier reunion cast assemblage and, and crew assemblage in the Midwest. Um, oh, that's so, awesome. So if you like Art the Clown and you like the Terrifier movies, man, you are going to have fun because, like, everybody. I mean, I think half of the of the vendor room with the celebrities is going to be, half of the tables are going to be Terrifier cast members. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. He's going to be in full makeup. You can see Art the Clown if you if you freak out about oh clowns, Esmeralda. I don't know. He's going to be there in full makeup freaking everybody out. Great. So, yeah. <laughs> Some people from Halloween 2 are going to be there, including Lance Guest and Leo Rossi. Leo Rossi, who, by the way, um, will be on the podcast one week from today. Mm. Um, great actor who's been in a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, he's going to be there. He's there. And you can get a picture taken with him in his full Halloween 2 costume where he played a Damn. Uh, a hospital uh, ETM or ETM. Yeah, he played an ETM. Yeah, no, that's right. Emergency. No, EMT. ETM. Yeah, he played. He gave you money. If you needed money, it came out of his mouth. You could just press that if you knew your code. He gave you money. No, Very he's ahead of their time in Halloween yeah. 2 for that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, they were. Futuristic Halloween 2, even though it came out in 1981. Um, yeah. um, but anyway, so he's going to be there. Um, Alan Howarth is going to play a concert. He did the music for a ton of John Carpenter movies. He co-composed music with him. He's doing a full video, audio, immersive concert. Um, Very cool. Our good buddy, well, you know who I'm talking Berwin. about. Sven Gulli. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I think he might stop by at our live podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mm-hmm. is also going to be on stage with the great Joe Bob Briggs, one of the greatest uh, drive-in movie hosts of all time. They're going to be on stage together, and I'm going to emcee their event. That's Friday night. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, Charles Band from Full Moon Productions is going to be there. He always has a great presentation and a big party afterwards. Uh, it's just going to be great. Uh, it is August 4th through the 6th. you got professional photo ops that you can get, uh, autographs. You can meet all the celebrities and hang out. I will be in the Q&A room all day, on, uh, all day and night on Friday, all day and night on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I will be moderating a bunch of Q&As and introducing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and it's just going to be great. You can get your tickets at flashbackweekend.com. It's at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. But Esmeralda, you and I will be on stage. Um, hosting the second annual flashback live version of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, very exciting. So think about if you've seen anything scary in the past year since the last uh, flashback convention. Think about that. And right. We'll talk about. Got we'll it. talk. We'll talk about that on uh, on the fifth. So uh, Saturday the fifth, and I've got. I'm going to show a trailer for a movie mm-hmm. that I've already seen that doesn't come out till the end of the month. And I think it's the best horror movie of the year. So we're going to show that trailer, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we got T-shirts, Nick D. Podcast T-shirts to give away. And we'll talk, cool. with the, we'll talk with the audience and stuff. And then as we're all to the 40th anniversary, Christine 
reunion is happening on stage during our podcast. I am very excited for that. Yeah. I cannot wait. Unfortunately, nobody's going to drive. The car's not going to be up there. The car is going to be there. Yeah, I mean, you already told me that wasn't going to be a possibility. So I've, right, I've right. already, it's, it's, I'm, I'm prepared yeah. for it. You've resigned you yourself to the fact that in the next that, room, though, it will, it will room. be, it will, it will be just hundreds of feet away from us as we speak. Yes, the, the classic '58 Plymouth Fury from the movie Christine is going to be there, and you can get pictures taken with the cast and the car and all kinds of cool stuff. Unfortunately, Christine will not be up on stage uh, killing us, so that that's good. Right, that would have been. Cherry on the top. But the other thing is, our three guests, uh, Malcolm uh, Danar, who I just talked to, um, mm-hmm. William Ostrander, and Stephen Tash, they were all killed by that car. Ooh. So, <laughs> So, so that would have been that would have been nice if we would have gotten murdered by the car. Just a little, yeah, you know, yeah. symmetry little, there. Exactly, a little consistency. Then all five <laughs> of us, all five of us on stage, will have been murdered by the car, not just three of five. Right. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, Christine. It's such a good movie too. Um, um, it's a great movie directed by John Carpenter, so it's great. That means it goes without saying. Um, mm-hmm. but it'll, I'm excited to have these guys uh, up on stage and. Um, I'm just, it's going to be great. So we're going to have a great time. Um, and, you know, we'll, Esmeralda will go around, we'll meet all the celebrities and get some pictures and autographs taken. It'll be fun. And there's the big VIP party that we, that, you know, that we attended last year. And like, we hung out a lot with PJ Souls that, uh, at that mm-hmm. party. Yeah. 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 Which was, which was great. Uh, so it'll be great. Anyway, uh, is Colin coming with you? Um, I think he is. Yeah. Oh, he should okay, be. Cool. All right, great. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun weekend from August fourth through the sixth. Any of you horror fans? And by the way, the vendor room, you know, and you've seen it, Esmeralda. It's huge. Yes. Um, Everything and... you could probably think of and more. Yeah. Is going to be in that vendor room. Yeah. I mean, from you know, obviously t-shirts and hats and uh, all kinds of great original artwork too. There's a lot of amazing yes. art that people do and real, um, real. Props from movies, the the legendary, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to mm-hmm. have the setup where they're going to have real costumes and props from movies that you can touch and take pictures of and stuff like that. It's great. Uh, it's just great. And Mike and Mia Kurz, who run it, they're the best. And I've been with these guys. I've been part of the Flashback family for 21 years. And I'm thrilled that you've been a part of it now uh, for two years in a row, Esmeralda. It's going to be a blast. Oh, thanks. It'll be good. Yeah, for It'll sure. Be really good. So anyway, so that's coming up. Um, and oh, by let me do one, let me catch up on one magic megaphone, okay? Okay, yes, because I've been getting behind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. We've been, we've been blabbing so much, and then suddenly I'm like, oh shit, we're out of time, and I can't do the magic megaphone. Let me get to this one. <laughs> this, this one's been sitting on the docket for a while, and oddly, this is very timely, Esmeralda. Oh, perfect. Even though the request for this magic megaphone was sent in a few weeks ago. It mm-hmm. is unbelievably timely, and you'll understand mm. when I play it. By the way, if you have a message that you would like me to say into the Magic Megaphone or record something into the Magic Megaphone, like a favorite uh, movie line or anything like that, leave your voicemail at 773-417-6948 or an email with the description of what you'd like to say, like, like me to say into the Magic Megaphone. Do it for anybody, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, this is from Fred, mm-hmm. um, who is in Stickney, Illinois. Okay. And uh, and this it's very simple. It's it's it I, I it doesn't you know some of these as well. We have to like give big explanations about. Mm-hmm. Like what's the origin? Why did they want me to say that? What's this? What's that? This one is pretty self-explanatory. And again, this is from a few weeks ago. But when you hear it, you'll go, Oh yeah, that's timely. 
That's today. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yes. Fred from Stickney wanted me to say this, and here's the magic microphone right now. It's too damn hot. It's too damn hot. It's too yeah. damn hot. Right. It's too so, damn hot. Right. So, so it, all right, all right. Jesus. So that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Yeah. Yeah. He Unless was compl- is it from something? No, 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 no. It's it's oh, him. It's, just, it, it's, it's him just complaining. General opinion. Yeah. It's him <laughs> complaining about the weather in Stickney from a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Um, and I just played it now. And while people are listening to this on this Friday morning, if they're listening on Friday morning, uh, I'm sure that everybody is saying it's too damn hot. If you're in the Chicago area, at least. Or um, probably the South. Or the South. Yeah, they, boy, they've been getting nailed, too. with. Uh... Or probably, I think, well, the West Coast a little but, bit, too. Yeah, well, basically, if you're in the country, <laughs> I, would, I would guess yeah. that if you're in the country, we've been having a yeah. lot of... Uh... And we have actually also been... Also, Europe, <laughs> I think is... <laughs> right. Oh, and also, and also, <clears throat> also we've got, you know, uh, Canadian uh, brush fire air mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. coming down, too. So it's pleasant. It's really pleasant. You can't even open your windows or... How about this? You know what I love? And that's what we're going to have today on Friday is it's going to be like 97 degrees and severe storms with rain. So. Oh, great. And you know, those severe storms that come in Esmeralda and then they pass by and there's no relief. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are the best. (laughs) (laughs) When it makes it even worse, the humidity just skyrockets. Yeah, that's always Fantastic. fun. You think, okay, well, man, it's coming down hard. These wet, this weather is terrible. There's hail. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. But at least it'll be nice and cool afterwards. Nope. 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 <laughs> so, uh, now do you have you don't have central air, right? In your in your place? Uh, we do not. No. No. Um, so you have like a do you have a do you have one or two window units or how do you how do you? Uh, yeah, we just have one. Mm-hmm. And we and it's you guys right? You t- you told me it's in your kitchen, right? It is. Yeah. They um they put one. It came with the apartment, but it's in the that's the <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's in the kitchen. So on so the weather that we're gonna have for the next couple of days or so, will you guys sack out in the kitchen? Um, most likely. We actually, it's been for the most part fairly cool in the apartment. Yeah. We um we have a lot of trees kind of surrounding our building, mm-hmm. so I feel like that helps with the coolness of um the apartment in general so you know if you if we kind of close all the blinds and we we have fans and stuff so that's um that's kind of how we've been surviving and it hasn't been too bad as of yet but then yeah we'll just like hang out in the kitchen if you need (laughs) to yeah if you need to yeah it, it, no, I mean we've been. I mean, you know, obviously it's going to get a little rough the next few days, as, as we know. And then it's supposed to it's supposed to cool down a little bit um, at the end of the weekend. So we got a few days of hot mm-hmm. stuff. But I'll tell you something, really seriously, uh, we've been we've been spared some horrible heat. You know, um, it hasn't yeah, been that hasn't bad. Been it really hasn't worst. been that bad. You know, I mean, it. Ha- I mean, it has. I think last year was worse. If I remember correctly, last year was worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it hasn't been that bad. We got a few days here and there. And this weekend will be terrible, but we'll get through it. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll just walk around with no pants on. That'll be the. Uh, that, that'll be. Yeah. Good. That's that's how you. You don't do. already. Yeah, you I know. Live truly. alone. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't have to put pants on. I just live by myself. I don't have to impress anybody. Um. So. <laughs> so. So anyway, but yeah, it's it's weird because like I my my building is I live in I live basically in like a brick oven. Because it's like 
it's like brown bricks, the whole building. Yeah. And I live right on a main street, so there's not a lot of trees. I don't live on like a side street with a lot of trees and stuff because I live right yeah. on Irving. On Irving, there's not a ton of trees. And so the front part of my apartment is always incredibly hot. The back part, not so much because, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, but it's, it's not been, it's not been horrible. Um, but I don't know. I got a window unit in my, in my bedroom. It barely works. Right. So. Yeah. You usually don't, you say you stake. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of stake out in the, close in the bedroom door and that's that. Crank the, crank the air, stay in there as much as I can. And, um, you know, I'll tell you something. It, 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 when I first moved in here, there was like no such thing as like, I didn't have like a smartphone when I first moved in here mm-hmm. and I didn't have like streaming services and stuff that I could watch on a laptop uh, or on a phone. And the only place that I could have entertainment was on the TV, which is in the mm. living room. But now, you know, I can stay in the bedroom and watch entertainment and still be cool because, you know, of technology. Did you not just like <laughs> drag your TV into no, the room? I did not do that. <laughs> No, I would I would sit out I would sit out and you know because you know when you when you're in, uh, in the apartment as I am right now it's warm in my apartment right now it's uncomfortable I will tell you right now it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I can't have the ceiling fan uh, above me right now on because it'll make too much noise on the mic right yeah same, same and I've got all the windows closed because there's I live on a main street and I have neighbors who like to run around and break shit in the backyard <laughs> so I have the windows closed so right now I've got nothing happening I've got one ceiling fan in the other room that's going and that's it so it's yeah. I'm uncom- I'm very uncomfortable right now <laughs> so, but you know what as you know Esmeralda as hot as it gets your body adjusts and it may be uncomfortable but you, you get used to it right you know, and so if I'm watching TV or something um, and it gets a little bit too much, I'll go into the bedroom. But I, your body gets used to it. It's uncomfortable, but it, it gets used to it. So. And then, you know, when you have fans. Yeah. That sometimes can be enough. Like you yeah. said, if you get used to it and then the fans kind of alleviate it a little bit. So it doesn't mm-hmm. make it so awful. Did you ever live in a place with central air? Esmeralda? Um, I did. Well, I grew up with central air. Okay. okay. So living you, in apartments—that's my first experience with no air. Was uh was it tough to to get used to not have when you first moved out? Did you go? Oh man, um, I miss central I air. Mean, oh boy. Kind of. Uh, it was more just like the shock of like, oh, <laughs> it's not just cool. Yeah. It's not cool in this place. Oh, right. Okay. It's not automatically cool, right? Right. Yeah, like I have to do something myself yeah. about it it's yeah. not just a button that you push and and then it's on i've never had central air in my life except for one time when i moved in with my uh my second ex-wife when we before we got married i moved in with her and in the condo she had central air and i never had it before never in my life i've lived in apartments i've never lived in a house i've always lived my parents always had apartments we always rented ever since i was a, you mm-hmm. know, a child and uh, never ever did i have central air and i'll tell you something as soon as i moved in with her like um i would just like crank the damn thing <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, like about a, a month after I moved in, she's like, "Hey, uh, listen, hey, take a look at our at our electric bill, why don't you?" And I'm like, "What? Yeah. What?" And then I look at it and I went, "Oh shit, I'm sorry." <laughs> that's why I don't. That's why I actually I don't like Central Air. Like now that I have to pay for it, I'm like, right, mm, exactly. I'm fine. Because <laughs> you know, like we're talking about flashback uh, next week. And mm-hmm. every time I check into a hotel, whenever I go anywhere, and you know, I, and I am yearly in the hotel at the Hyatt, I'm there. And as soon as I check into the room and I drop my bags off, I drop that temperature down to about 50 in the room. Whew. 
Like it literally. I mean, like, that is the that is one of the perks. It is a perk, a man. It is such a perk. And like I walk in there and I crank that thing down. So like if I'm at the convention like all day or something, and mm-hmm. I stop back in the room, I don't know to refresh or sit down for a couple of minutes or just chill. Every time I walk in there, it's like walking into a meat locker. Every time. Yeah. You are literally chilling. It's, yeah, exactly. I am literally chilling. That's the, and I'm not kidding us, brother. As soon as I check in a week from today, or I'm sorry, I'll check in on Thursday. So as soon as I check in on Thursday, mm-hmm. I drop my bags and I put that temperature down to about 50. <laughs> and then I don't adjust it all weekend. Like it is 50, wow. like 50 degrees in that thing from Thursday to Sunday. Do you sleep Sunday. with covers on? I do. I snuggle up, man. Oh, oh I love it. I love it because I can't do it here, you know. Mm-hmm. I live in I live in a hot hut, and uh, so man, I just take advantage of that. I'm not paying for it, you know. So yeah, down to fifty, and I just I, I literally keep all the covers on, all the tucked in stuff. You know how they tuck it all in? Yeah, yeah. yeah I get yeah. right in there and snuggle. I mean, you have there. to. It's fifty degrees in your. An- <laughs> <laughs> I think when the when the when the maid comes in. Um, you know, to do the to do the service, they're probably like, oh, "It's goddamn freezing in here." You know, I think they probably. <laughs> I mean, pro- yeah, because she's well. They're probably in a. They're in the hotel for hours on end. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. You've, I don't know how it affected you when you when we were at the at the station, but. I mean, those are office buildings. Yeah. And working in an office building, it always gets freezing, freezing. in the summer. Although it was weird though, because when we moved to because because if it ever got hot in the studio when we were in the trib building mm-hmm. you remember we would just call the boiler room and go hey wanna because you couldn't have you had no control of the temperature yeah, tri- yeah at the tribune but building. i think half the time i mean i worked for a management company and people would uh for like um retail retail office buildings um, and people would call us to complain, like, it's too hot in here and this and that. And a lot of times we'd be like, you couldn't really do as much. Yeah. Because it was well, literally like, you just have to open a flap that yeah. then lets yeah. more air in. And and also <laughs> when we would call I'd up. I'd have to send maintenance guys, though, and they'd be like, "There's, it's already open. We yeah. can't do it. And I'm like, well, go pretend. I don't know. <laughs> do something. But yeah, but th- the other thing is, though, like it, when we would call. It's even less effective because we were there at two o'clock in the morning. You know, like it's like I'm not gonna mm-hmm. who the fuck who the fuck cares what temperature it is. It's, nobody's in the building except well for like because seven I think people. well because what would happen I believe is that like from certain hours it was turned off. Yeah, or whatever yeah. it was because they were saving because technically no one was there except right. us. Right. So it would be too warm, and then yeah, at a certain hour they turned them back on. Yeah, just to save money. Yeah. So I, but then, but then when we moved to uh, 303 uh, Wacker, where uh, WGN is still, mm-hmm. uh, the the studio that I would do it from was either 100 degrees or 70 below. There yeah. was like no, <laughs> there was like no in between. I preferred it 70 below, obviously. Right. And I would mess with the temperature, and sometimes it wouldn't work. And then uh, Adam, who was like our overnight, um, mm-hmm. uh, our engineer. Very fun guy, Adam. He was crazy. Um, but he would come in and go, man, it's really cold in here. I'm like, leave it. Don't. <laughs> so, it, But that was the thing. It was either it was never comfortable. It was never just, oh, this is fine. It was either too hot or 90 below. So Yeah. 
but that's um that's an exact uh description of an office (laughs) yeah pretty much pretty much well all right well uh so uh, but i will say this and you know um if you need to drop anything off in my in my room if you've got stuff that you buy that you and colin buy and you want to drop it off in the room or Mm -hmm. something just prepare yourself to put on a parka when you walk in that's right i'm assuming there's there's a rack next to the to the door there is yeah you can just drop stuff off right there instead of going all the way in so um okay (laughs) yeah because you're gonna have to go through it's gonna be like that movie with jake gyllenhaal where they run from ice remember that movie with the uh the day after tomorrow the day after tomorrow (laughs) yeah man where they're running they're running from that's the movie where they run from cold that's the only it's just down the hallway i think i have to run right you have to run because there's ice ice forming behind us you know what i mean it's gonna catch up with us and we're gonna freeze you know so goodness all right. Well, it'll be. It'll, it'll but be you'll be happy. I will. You'll I will be, be so happy. cold. Oh man, when I'm sleeping, when I'm sleeping there, man, I'm under the covers. Oh, and then I get up to pee, and it's like <gasps> it's cold, and I get back under the covers, and I'm like, yay! It's fun. You know, this is. I'm single. I, this is my fun. That's how much I have fun, right there. There you me. go. That's how I have fun. Um, I do want to mention before um, we run out of time. Um, uh, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, Sinead O'Connor passed away um, as we yeah. take this. Uh, she passed away yesterday. She was only 56, and she led a very difficult um, life. Um, went through mm-hmm. a, a horrible childhood of abuse and sexual abuse and um, just really terrible stuff. And then, you know, really misunderstood during a lot of her career. She was a protest singer and a protest songwriter, and nobody really understood what you know she did. Um, I did an entire episode dedicated to her appearance on saturday night live in 92 when she tore up the picture of the pope mm-hmm. um and if you want to go back and listen to that it's that show hasn't been funny in years episode 17 where i speak out about how amazing uh that thing was and the hell that she caught afterwards like she did so many other times and how it affected her almost in her entire career and how in the long run everybody's like oh wait a minute yeah she was right <laughs> that's usually how it is yeah um people refuse to see the truth that's literally right in front of their face the 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 thing that she did on saturday night live was to protest was to call attention to the rampant and unbelievable amount of sexual abuse that was happening um without consequence right under the nose of the catholic church that's what the Mm -hmm. whole thing was about and it's been Mm -hmm. happening for decades it continues to happen and she does this thing on snl um and gets punished for it and then now decades later people are like man she had a point wow um, which seemed to be the case for a lot of stuff that Sinead did. Um, where, like, at the time, people, she would piss people off. She was a provocateur. Um, and I just, I, the, the, the voice that that woman had was an angel. It was like, un- yeah, it, was, it was gorgeous. It was ungodly. It was extraordinary. Have you ever, had you ever had a chance to see Sinead live? No, no, I never did. Um, so what about you as a fan? I mean, because like obviously when Nothing Compares came out, you were young. You were very young when Nothing Compares yeah. came out. Yeah, I, but do I you mean, remember, I remember it? Yeah, I remember the song, and I remember I remember even I unfortunately like left the room during that SNL bit. Oh, just because really? I just left. Yeah, and I oh. came back and I was like, "What happened?" Oh <laughs> no! Oh man! And you were like ten or something when that happened. You were a kid. Yeah, I was. I just remember, like, what's going on? There was yeah. a bit of a, a kerfuffle. <laughs> oh, there was a kerfuffle. All right. Oh man. Uh, but you, but you do remember. You knew who she was then, and and um, yeah, and all that stuff. Totally, yeah. completely. And then as you grew older, did you become a fan of hers and and listen to her stuff? Or? I never really like got into her mm-hmm. too much, but I mean, I respected her completely, and just like, again, her voice, gorgeous, gorgeous voice. 
Unbelievable. I, I was lucky enough. I've, I've saw her a bunch of times, and I was lucky enough. The last mm-hmm. time I saw her, probably 2010 mm-hmm. or something like that. That was the last time I saw her. You know, for a while, she had a place here in Wilmette. Um, yeah, because she went, well, there was the big thing the last time she kind of resurfaced for everybody um, in the mainstream was that she had gone missing right here. Yep. Um, luckily, she was found safe. But yeah, yep. she it was a bit of a shock just because like people were like, what is she doing here? Yeah. Suddenly, she's like, uh, she was like, the last place that she was seen was in Evanston, if I remember correctly, because she did sort of on the on the on the. You know, on the QT, she had uh, a place in Wilmette. Mm-hmm. Um, she settled here because she recorded some music here and worked, I think, I believe, with Steve Albini on some stuff. And she had a real tight connection with Joe Shanahan and everybody at Metro, mm-hmm. um, which has always been kind of her home. Whenever she would come to Chicago, it was kind of her home base. Um, and she had a really lovely connection with this city. You know, um, they they understood what she, people in Chicago understood what she was doing, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of people didn't. Um, she ruffled a lot of feathers and she had a very traumatic upbringing um, and a traumatic life. She had four children, um, the last of which um, last year killed himself. He, had, he was a, a drug addicted and he killed himself at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of put her kind of over the edge. She was really lost for the last like 18 months or so. And then, Nobody knows. Nobody said how she passed away, um, but she dealt with a significant amount of mental illness all of her life. Always struggled with that. Never wanted to be a pop star. After you know the song became huge, the Prince song became huge. Um, she never really wanted that. When the video, when she's crying in the video and all that stuff, and she didn't really want to be a pop star. She was a protest singer, and um, yeah. And uh, so anyway, um, it was it was rough for her. So, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, the stuff that she did was, I think was important. I don't know. I, I, I think she was an, an, an important artist and my God to witness that woman sing. Oh, mm-hmm. it was amazing. It was amazing. But yeah, so you left the room during the Saturday yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just like, oh, this seems slow and whatever. Yeah. She's just singing a song. I'm going to do whatever i don't know what i went maybe the bathroom yeah, or something no no sometimes you do that during a musical if like when you're watching snl if the musical guest is not someone you care about you go and get something to eat or you go to the bathroom during the performance that's what you do um but yeah boy you, but nobody knew what was going to happen it's not like you knew that right. she's going to tear up a picture exactly of the I, mean, hey. I didn't know i was just like this is a slower song hmm. yeah it's an acapella it's an acapella song i'm gonna leave it's like i'll be back well i'll tell you not the only one that didn't know esmeralda the director dave wilson didn't know lauren michaels didn't know nobody nobody knew she was gonna do that um and you know that actually what what immediately happened after she did that i mean obviously the whole they still had a half show to do they still had three sketches and and the good nights to do uh tim robbins was the host that night and um But what they had, what, what happened? One of the other things that happened, obviously, when it happened, the whole place behind the scenes went apeshit. Like people were running around, they were going nuts. Uh, but one of the things that happened after she tore up the picture, security had to grab a dude and prevent him from rushing the stage and killing her because there was a guy in the audience who actually almost rushed the stage. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah. People, that's wow. Yeah. So anyway. Um, Extraordinary talent. I don't know, Esmeralda, if you've seen, uh, there's a documentary called Nothing Compares, mm-hmm. um, and it's all about her, and it came out last year. Um, 
And if you've not seen it, if, and I'm speaking to everyone uh, who's listening, if you've not seen Nothing Compares, the this documentary, which is a Showtime documentary, and I think it's streaming on other services now. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It is. It 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 tells her life story uh, really in great detail. Um, and if you don't understand Sinead, if you're not familiar with her, if you've dismissed her as like some crazy chick with a good voice. Um, there was much more to her than that. And this movie, Nothing Compares, is a remarkable documentary. And there's a good chunk of it um, about the, what happened on SNL and how it affected her career afterwards. Um, she's amazing, though. I, so the last time I saw her, we were in the... We had a box at the... I think it was at the Vic, if I'm not mistaken. Or, or the Riv. Either the Vic or the Riv, one of them. And we were on the side. And she came out at one point and she was singing. And she literally did not even need a mic. Like, the mic was, like, six feet away from her. Yeah. Oh wow. And you, she could fill the fucking room. Like she didn't even like that voice. Like she literally was like not even anywhere near the room. And I got the chills. I was like, I've never seen anybody project like that. I've never heard a voice like that. It was like, I mean, oh, it's amazing. Incredible. She was incredible, man. Incredible. So, but anyway, uh, but Sinead passed away, and also, uh, you know, obviously Tony Bennett passed away last Friday. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he, he was, was he was ninety. He was, was going to be ninety seven. Yeah. So yeah, he was ninety. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I mean, that's a, an amazing, you want to talk about an amazing entertainer with a great voice. There's another one right there. And then, um, for me at least, uh, a screenwriter died hours after Sinead O'Connor, and his name was Bo Black, uh, Bo, uh, Bo Goldman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Goldman wrote the screenplay, won the Academy Award for his screenplay that he wrote for One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest with a Jack Nicholson oh, movie. Okay. But he also wrote one of my favorite movies of all time called Shoot the Moon um, with Albert Finney and Diane Keaton, the best movie ever made about divorce. Um, he was an extraordinary screenwriter um, who wrote a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to get into it all, but I mean, he won the Oscar for One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, and he wrote, you know, uh, he wrote Scent of a Woman. Uh, mm-hmm. the, he wrote that. He wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote a bunch of stuff. He was an amazing writer, a really incredibly gifted writer. And he passed away. I found out about, about him dying. Um, yeah, he was 90, so he lived a life, okay? Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, to find out, Sinead O'Connor was devastated by that. And then, like, the guy who wrote Shoot the Moon is one of my favorite movies ever. I'm like, God damn, stop with this day. <laughs> stop. Yeah. So, anyway. But if you've not seen it, and, uh, and uh, Esmeralda, you should seek out uh, Nothing Compares. It's a, like I said, it's a Showtime doc, but I'm pretty sure you can find it on other streaming services. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's worth a look. It really is. So, anyway. And I still can't believe you left the room when before she tore up the <laughs> It is uh it is now on YouTube, so I can oh, watch cool. it over yeah. and over again. <laughs> give it a give it a shot. It's really good. You'll learn a lot about her and, and she's in it. I mean, you know, as as recent uh, she does a lot of voiceover work on it and like narrating a lot of the stuff and there are pretty recent interviews uh, that she had done just a couple of couple few years ago. Um but yeah, rough life, man. And um, you know, I don't know. Anyway, but she was amazing, incredibly gifted, and, and she passed away. So I just wanted to mention that uh, Sinead O'Connor will uh, will be missed big time. So, yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right, Esmeralda. Uh, hey, listen, um, you're off on Monday. Mm, okay. Because it's for the people. Yes. Um, it is the first, it'll be the first uh, uh, Tuesday of August. And so it's a For the People episode where we talk about consumer issues with Herb Weisbaum, car uh, and automotive issues with Tom Appel. If you have any questions about uh, consumer stuff or car stuff for Tom or Herb, uh, send them to us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com or leave it at 773-417-6948. And then uh, the episode after that, Esmeralda, next Friday, 
Uh, Leo Rossi, the great actor who will be at Flashback, will be on with us. And then we will be doing a live podcast, and I believe that will drop during the weekend. Um, Very good. So, and then, uh, and then, so the next time uh, we talk will be on Friday, and the next time we see each other will be next Saturday. Uh, You can drop off your stuff in the in the Hydra room. In the (laughs) yes, in the tundra. (laughs) You can drop it off in the tundra, as we can call my room. So exactly, it's going to be fun. Get your tickets flashbackweekend.com. Uh, and it's going to be it's going to be great. You want to be a sponsor for this podcast? It's sales at radiomisfits.com. Again, leave your voicemail message at 773-417-6948. Email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the uh, music and the themes and the great stuff. Uh, rate and review us. We're available on every single platform. We want to hear back from you, Ed and uh, Radio Misfits. Thank you, guys. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time for the For the People episode on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.